This is the More to the Story podcast with Dr. Andy Miller. We hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. Welcome to the More to the Story podcast. I'm glad you've come along today. Before we get going, this is like a, a new way, a new form of content that we're producing. It's an interview I have with Dr. Matt Ayers, and I'll introduce him in just a minute. But I'm so glad that we have sponsors for this podcast. WBS, Wesley Biblical Seminary, where I work, is a great sponsor for this podcast. We're in this studio. This is one of the ways that we're able to record content that we share with our students. And you might not know this, but Wesley is the most diverse seminary in the country. The most diverse. Now, that, that's like that's actually something we had tried to do. It was something that has just come about naturally, organically, mm-hmm. because we've served our community. Mm-hmm. And so, and it happens to be like that's one of the unique things that we're able to offer. Also, we are offering free seminary for this fall semester. So you could sign up for free seminary courses at the graduate level. And we're going to talk about some of that more today. Now, my other sponsor is WPO Development. And it's one of these interesting things that I I have opportunity to share about them because I've worked with them in the past and their CEO, Keith Waters, who's really helped me come up with ways and strategies to develop a plan for actualizing mission in communities I've served. So like we've done mission planning studies, strategic plans, and capital campaigns. And he's somebody who has offices all over the country, not just him, but like his whole team can come alongside you and help you. So you can find them at WPO Development. You just Google Google WPO Development or go to info at WPO development.com well now i want to get on to this oh, oh wait oh no i have one more thing one more well sorry matt no. i will finally talk to you i'm great Relaxing. so what, what here's what happens like if you can share a link to this or if you can like this or leave a review on apple apple podcast or something like that it just helps people find us mm-hmm. and that's what kind of, kind of what we wanted to have happen like with today's content more of the story podcast or other podcasts that you like um it's just a way to help people get the message and i think we have a really important message today i'm excited to have my friend my new boss for that matter mm-hmm. oh you're my boss yeah. uh, dr matt Ayers on the podcast with us he is uh leading a new teaching a new class on spiritual warfare now matt well, hey, Matt. Welcome hey, to the podcast. Hey, Andy. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, we we have a chance like to talk about something, and I think the reason I wanted to bring it up is that hopefully this podcast will come out in a time where we'll just have about a week where people can sign up for free seminary, and they could sign up for your course sure, on yeah. spiritual warfare. Right. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So you're an Old Testament scholar. You did your dissertation on the Psalms. So it's kind of interesting to me that you're teaching a class on spiritual warfare. I mean, we have some other people who could do that too, but why are you doing this? Yeah, so that's a great question. The way that I guess the journey has sort of worked out to arrive in this domain of spiritual warfare has really to do with my time as a missionary in Haiti. Okay. Um, I was, as a missionary, you know, I was there working for the seminary, training Haitians, uh, for for being pastors and in full time ministry, primarily teaching Old Testament. But of right. course, when you're in the context of Haiti, which is a animistic culture, um, you have to engage and and kind of you just have to engage certain realities of right, that world right. and that culture. And Let me so, stop you. So animistic culture, I, I know what you mean. Tell yeah. us what you mean by animism. Yeah. So animism is this idea, this worldview or a way of understanding reality that right. there is a, an invisible spirit. That's kind of redundant, invisible spirit, that there's a spirit or an invisible force or entity um, kind of at work in all things, whether it's an animate object object or an inanimate object. And so there are spirits behind people. There are spirits behind animate objects, the wind, the water, nature. um, Those would be animate objects. But there's also spirits in inanimate objects. And so like the spirit of the table and the chair and the camera and those sorts of things. And so um, they fully embrace this idea that there's an unseen spiritual world at work. Right. 
and and in fact, well, I know we'll probably get into this, but that that does harmonize with what we find in the scriptures. Sure, maybe not to the extreme that um, a certain animistic cultures would embrace it. And so, being a missionary in that culture, I was I was invited to come and speak at missions events. Tell us about missions and kind right, of right. the exotic elements of serving in a, a cross cultural context. And this subject would come up. And so I found that the frame of reference for talking about animism and uh, Haitian voodoo as a worldview would just kind of be uh, Americans in a Western culture would just don't have much frame of reference for it. And so um, I found myself just on this journey of discovering and, and appropriating sort of and integrating into uh, my own worldview. Where does this fit? Right. And, and I wanted to find uh, truth in the scriptures. And so right. I had this experience of living and serving in Haiti, uh, yet being trained in the Western world, having a PhD in Old Testament and, and all that stuff, and, and trying to, not, I don't know if reconcile is the right word, but bring these right. two worlds together in the world of the Bible. Right. And so that was kind of the starting point in the journey, and then uh, it's led me down different avenues. And then the other thing that really comes in in terms of me as um, as whatever, but my interest in Wesleyan theology sure, and victorious Christian living, yes. and where does that dynamic of my own thought life and my own spiritual life and this movement that's really birthed me as a Christian, the the Wesleyan Methodist holiness heritage movement, but where does spiritual warfare come into that? Right, And right. so um, investigating John Wesley's experience with exorcisms and, and the demonic and right, his right. view of signs and miracles and dreams and visions and all these sorts of things. And so trying to kind of reconcile all these these weird pieces together has been quite the journey. But what's interesting is that the Bible does affirm, right, you know, right. uh, the multiplicity. I don't know if the plurality is the right word of all these different dynamics at play. Um, but so Haiti missionaries probably where the journey got began. you started. Yeah, yeah. like you, you you're dealing with a reality in a context that forced you yes. to think about this. That's exactly. And there's right. also like kind of like a true spiritual reality too that you likely experienced. Very much. There, like okay, so let me just get to the the words spiritual warfare. Yeah. So like that could mean many things. What do you mean by spiritual warfare? Yeah, um, that's a good question, and there's a lot of debate. Uh, there's a great book I recommend, Understanding Spiritual Warfare, Four Views. Um, yeah. uh, great book, and they, they talk about some of the problems with warfare language and yeah, the ethics yeah. of yeah, warfare sure, language. Sure. But the reality is that Scripture itself uses the language that we are at war. And, you know, sure. for, for <laughs> centuries, for millennia, the church has thought of itself as the, you know, the universal church being the church triumphant right. and the church militant. You know, maybe, there's a ch- maybe we can come up with a church that could be called an army. I don't know. I don't okay, know if yeah, I like yeah. that. <laughs> it could be okay. more or less a, a oh, church. Okay. Uh-huh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but so, but investigating even the scriptures and Jesus's language, uh, you know, with Peter uh, yeah. on the gates of hell, I will, I will, or I will build my church here, and the gates of hell will not prevail against right, it. Right. And then even Paul's language of being at war and in battle, putting on the armor of God, Ephesians six, right. um, and he, and again, Jesus himself. There is obviously this aspect, conquest and colonization in the Old Testament, right. um, it, not so much spiritual warfare, but warfare nonetheless, that there are, and there's no doubt through the exhortation and commands in the New, let's look at the New Testament alone, right. um, that make it really resist the devil. Uh, you, right. We struggle against not flesh and blood, <laughs> yeah. so there's all this struggle language. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At the same time, there's this victory language. You right, know? amen. We hold these treasures in, 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 in clay jars, and so... Of course, we know as Christians that we live in this in-between, waiting for the return of Christ, the, the, the eschaton, the parousia, and that the kingdom is both now but also not yet, mm-hmm. which means that, mm-hmm. we, yeah, we have victory on the one hand. We're, we're victorious and triumphant. But on the other hand, there's still a battle. He who perseveres until the end right. will be right. saved, which means that there's there's a struggle going on at the same time. And so, um, so in any case... 
so this spiritual warfare, warfare, there's language in, yes. the, in the scriptures about the fact that we are in about a spiritual. Um, it's very, very evident. In the Non-physical. Like when, you use yeah. physical, like when we use spiritual, we're not just talking about like um, it, it's an existence outside of like kind of like our common empirically proven yeah. world. And, uh, but there is some empiricism that can be applied of course, to uh, the spiritual world. So we'll get into that too. Right. Okay. The, that's the great epistemology question. How can we verify what's true and what's not right. true? How can we know for sure? Um, so spiritual, uh, I think a good term is, is invisible. Right, or, sure. Or unseen is the term that Michael yeah, Heiser, sure. a lot of people familiar with his unseen realm work. Um, but that's what we mean, wrestling against and battle against forces that are unseen. And what forces isn't even the right word either. Right. Because I believe that scriptures make it clear that they're, personalities. They're actually persons that we're battling against, that wow. Satan is an intelligent being. I think the scripture yes. makes that really clear. Again, assuming that we take the scripture at right. face values. Right, right, let me jump in there. Yeah. This is so good, Matt, I'm, yeah. and I'm so glad you're teaching this. Like, and if you're interested in this, I really want to encourage you. I'm looking at this camera, okay? So we'll look at each other some. Just bear with us, folks. That's we're doing right. our very best. So like, this is a course that Matt's going to teach on, and the, the that you you can in, appreciate and enjoy this interview, and I hope you will. But and this is like half an hour, forty five minutes. But really, the idea of the course is you get into it, and Matt will push you mm. to really learn these things, like to to prove it, so to speak. And I think that's the value of taking an academic class. Yeah. So if you're interested, again, free seminary. You can go to wbs.edu. We'd love to have you sign up for this. Now, let me give you a little bit of my my story yeah, of how I work with this. Like, I, I think through my life, like, there were diff various points when I, as a child growing up and as a teenager, I became aware of the spiritual realm. I'll just use yeah, that language. Yeah. But it was often kind of a, a something that was used to scare me, and I wasn't quite yeah. sure it was there. And then I got to college, uh, Christian liberal arts college and the Holy Institution, where I um, – Came upon some, uh, came upon a philosophy professor who like really kind of pushed me in a way that I moved towards almost like looking. I, I would have, if you would have asked me at that point, yeah, I would have yeah. written down my beliefs. I would have been like a Protestant liberal all of a sudden. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, I just like I didn't believe for a period, even in a personalized Satan. Yeah, it's very the existence of demons. What I call Boltmanian or demythologized yes. de view. Yeah, right. And so th th then I worked my way through, and that that comes up both Boltmann. And, and I learned about Boltmann, and I learned about Plato, and I kind of like was thinking through these distinctions with dualism. Yeah, sure. And I, and I, I actually carried that with me into seminary, not quite sure what to do with it. And then I remember sitting in a class, and I and Dr. Steve Siemens, who teaches yeah, the same class good friend, yep. at Asbury Great Seminary, mine too. And, and I, I asked a question kind of like, and, and he could sense in me my criticism sure. of of that worldview, yeah. yeah. And then he he looked at me. I don't even know if he. It was so like we weren't particularly friends even at the moment. But he looked at me and said, "Andy, I'm not sure when you get it. You get to choose, or you're you're being a selective Boltmanian." Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like I wanted to affirm the resurrection, but at the same time I didn't uh -huh, really yeah. want to like believe in things like virgin birth. The, sure, yeah. demons. No way. No way. Yeah, yeah. but not demons. Not yeah. anything else. It's like kind of affirmed yeah. outside of like the the non physical. Right. Uh, Things that would need more proof. Right. Um, so, anyways, that's that, that's a little bit where I came from. And then, and then throughout ministry, like I've become more and more aware of the need for, like, look, and in particular, like in the Salvation Army, like we're dealing with people who have dealing with uh, addictions and all kinds yes. of things that need yes. kind of some um, 
well, of total, like you're talking about the total recovery, the total yeah. opportunity experience. So that's a little bit, I think my experience is probably similar to others. Like we're not sure what this is. And there's also a, a little uh, unjustified fear yeah. of a charismatic movement. And yep. that's probably not accurate of what it is. And yeah. so I think that all makes I'm throwing a lot at you. Yeah, no, it's, it. it's good. That's helpful. And I, I think that what you're describing there is a view of a lot of people, uh, whether they know it or not. I think there's right. a lot of Western Christians, and I was I was this way. Yeah, sure. It's like, yeah, sure, virgin birth, bodily resurrection, Jesus is both man and God all at once, all the good apostles' creed right. stuff. Creedio, you know? ex nihilo. Like, yeah, 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 descended okay. into hell. Ascended right, to the right uh, We have no problem as people of faith embracing these things that we can't fully understand. We know we believe that it's true, although we don't know how it's true. But when it comes to some of this other stuff, I, I think there's a... An, a sense of being allergic to it right. because there's been a lot of abuses for people who have gone too far in embracing right, sure. some of these views. And so uh, one thing I, I think it's important to point out is that you mentioned the word fear and fear is yeah. an important topic in spiritual, the conversation of spiritual warfare, because I believe that scriptures teach um, that one of the tactics of the enemy is to make us afraid. And right, that right. one of the primary purposes of the cross and the resurrection is to liberate us from fear. Perfect love dra- casts yeah. out all fear. Yeah. Well, fear comes in at the place of ignorance, at the place of darkness, darkness being a symbol of the ignorance. And when we're talking about the unseen, the invisible, the spiritual, we're talking about things that may or may not be able to be verified empirically. Right, right, right. And so there's a lot of unknowns. Right, sure. Who's in this room with me right now? Yeah, sure. Is there a, a, an attachment in my life? Is there a generational spirit? I'm right, bringing yeah. up topics we haven't really, you know, defined yet. Sign but, up for the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah sign up for the class. Yeah. So, so we don't. There's all these question marks, and anywhere there's a question mark, yeah, there's room for fear and apprehension, and and so. But here's the issue: the scriptures can erase a lot of those question marks. Wow. But we, I think that we tend to shy away from the parts of Scripture that speak to these things because we go, "That's just too weird. I don't understand." Right. It. Absolutely. But that's dangerous. Because we believe in, I, I believe in, the sufficiency of Scripture. Amen. That we have to take the whole counsel of the Word of God as inspired by God, originated from God, from God, and having the authority of God, and we have to know all of it. Right, uh, right. Matt, are you saying you have to memorize the whole Bible? Well, if the Holy Spirit asks you to, yeah, I think ahead. He can help us do it. <laughs> but we do have to study all of it. We right. have to understand these weird passages that talk about, you know, what about Genesis 6, 1 to 4? Right, is absolutely. It, is it okay to just say, we don't know what that means and we're going to back off? Well, Right. I believe that it's if the scriptures are from God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, then the clarity of scripture, then the Holy Spirit will help us to understand what the text means. Right. When we seek to understand it, wanting to love and obey him. And it takes work. It's like it's it not takes, something that's yeah. in, 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 we've studied. You and I both have studied this. And this is part of why we're in this room, yeah. why we're working at seminaries. Like we want to give people tools so that they can understand scripture. It's right? discipleship. Right. Absolutely. It's teaching and learning. And so that we can erase these question marks and go, no, this is what this text is talking about. Even if we have to go, well, these are the various possible interpretations. We're not sure exactly which one, but here's right. what we can be sure about this text. Then I think we can eliminate some of these dark areas. Some of the dark areas, though, we can't eliminate. You know, we just don't Absolutely. know. The Bible doesn't speak directly to where do demons come from. Right, right. Um, now, the biblical authors, there's no doubt, and this is getting into some of the technical content, uh, no doubt had their ideas about where demons came from based right, on right. the Enochian tradition. But the Bible itself doesn't verify in any place or form that that is a, a true 
Um, now, the fact that the biblical authors are quoting that book and drawing on the Enochian tradition, maybe that's an indicator. Right. Let me but, stop you real quick. So, like, just so I can explain a yep, little bit yep, of what you go just for said. It, yep. So, um, I'm, I'm presenting, I've just did, did a sermon series on Jude. Yes, right. And I'm doing it again right. here in a few weeks. Yep. And I'm working on some other content. Yeah. So, there's like Enoch and like drawing upon the resource of Enoch. So, let me, so Enoch is like a, a, a Apocry- apocryphal tradition, intertestamental, and intertestamental yeah. period. So um, there is three books of Enoch, right? right? Right. And so it's within that tradition that a lot that has developed about beliefs in the spiritual realm right. has come from. Right. So of course you might know e- Enoch is this character from Genesis. Okay, right. this is like important person who was taken to be with God. But then there's this this tradition that developed. Now, rather or not, it was Enoch and, like, kind of the historical sourcing right. behind that is another story. But I just wanted to, like, kind of give people a little – this yep. Enochian. So you use the word. I just wanted to make sure we yes. got people coming along with us on yeah, that. Yeah, using an adjective. A lot of people don't even know what the noun is. And so the – the point being that there are still questions we don't have answers to about right, right. you know spiritual warfare and demons, but those things that we don't have the answers to doesn't mean that we that we need to be afraid. We trust in the sufficiency of Scripture. If right. God hasn't told us precisely what it is, then we don't worry about it. You know, right. and so uh, you know I got this from there's a guy um, who has a lot of great things to say about spiritual warfare. A very well known name, Neil Anderson. Right. He compares you know compares demons to germs. If you're mm. looking for them everywhere, you'll find them, but it'll also paralyze your life. You know, you'll be a hypochondriac and probably not leave the house and be scared of getting sick all the time. Right. Um, but at the same time, they are real, and being aware that they're there helps you to diagnose when there's something wrong. Right. If you're not living the abundant life that Christ died for, is it because you've got a germ that needs wow. to be dealt with? And that sure. germ could be, you know, when we talk about demons. Demons are oftentimes, and this is a Charles Craft analogy, like rats that feed on garbage, and they feed on our sin that we have not confessed or reconciled with. Wow. That is yeah. another way to put that. Another metaphor is the flesh. Right. We haven't put to death the flesh inside of our lives, or a wound inside. If we were abused or experienced trauma in our lives, uh, the demonic loves to attach to that, as far as we can tell. And again, as far as we can tell, there's right, certain sure. things we just don't know. But the reality is that Jesus died for us to be healed and for us to be free and Amen. to have that freedom and to bear the full fruit of the Spirit inside of our lives. And so I, I, there's a lot of people who are depressed. Mm-hmm. And right. God, did, Jesus didn't die for us to be depressed. And even if Paul in prison, our circumstances may be horrible, you know, treasure in clay jars, we're beaten down, but we still are filled with joy. Um, depression doesn't have a place, you know, mm-hmm. and so now there's always the question of mental disorders and biology and chemistry, and that comes into play as well. So we're not ignoring that. We're not ignoring no. that. There are, there are other ways to look at things. Yeah, there's other ways. Right. Under, and just to, I want to jump back to the hermeneutical process as well. Yeah. Just to think that. Like, Which I we, love that, that part of the conversation, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think it, I think it's important. Like, when, we, when we're thinking, like, interpreting Scripture, not only do we just kind of depend upon tools for our reading and our study and studying original languages, yeah. but also within, within the method that we use at Wesley Biblical Seminary, um, other traditions use it as well, inductive Bible studies, sometimes yep, sure. called English Bible, like there's a step of evaluation. And in that step, yeah. you have the opportunity to look at the, the history of interpretation, right. or sometimes the, the interpretation of others. Right. Well, in that process, like we're not depending upon just like us coming to the text and studying really hard, yeah. but we have centuries of people yep. who have looked at these texts and like Matt, don't not you feel people, like it's the godly do- Holy Spirit filled people Amen. that he used Amen. to shape the life of the church and yeah, I mean, and don't you, like within the history of interpretation, I mean, what you're outlining here and what you'll talk about in the class is a consistent interpretation. It's it's orthodoxy. Yeah, 
I mean, in, in the book that I recommended, Understanding uh, Spiritual Warfare, The Four Views, right. um, I don't remember if it's the opening chapter or the first chapter, they say that, you know, to be an Orthodox Christian, you have to uh, take the Bible at its word about what it says about itself. Yeah. And if the Bible says about itself that it's from God, and we know that God's om- om- omniscient, he, he knows all things, and we know that God doesn't lie, and we know those things from Scripture, then there's no error in the text, and the text doesn't mislead us and teach us falsehoods. Right. And, and that is a huge premise, a piece of, or, you know, a framing, piece of framework, a point of orientation for approaching. What does it mean when Jesus says he cast out demons? Well, it was a mental illness that he dealt with. Well, that, that seems a little bit misleading then um, mm. to me, and maybe that's just too simplistic. But so for me, I, what I'm saying, though, big picture, backing up, is that to, to take the Bible seriously is to take spiritual warfare seriously right, because right, right. the writers took it seriously. And so this, 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 let's say, project of understanding spiritual warfare is about what's your view of Scripture, mm. ultimately. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's the first lesson in the course is, as Christians, we are people of faith. Mm-hmm. We're people of faith. We're people that believe weird things. Mm. Uh, we believe weird things because we worship an infinite God that we can't fully understand. Right. And that means there will be things that we can't fully understand, like an immaculate conception and a bodily resurrection and eating the flesh and drinking the blood. And it's, it's like, yeah, that's weird. Um, but that's the thing about faith. It's not something that we reason ourselves into. That's Enlightenment Project stuff, and that has its place. We believe because the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, through the, the blood of Jesus that allows for this, gives us this gift of faith. Yeah. We're, we're not believing in our own strength. We're believing because the Holy Spirit is manifesting belief inside of our hearts. And so this selective Boltmanian stuff, you yeah. know, I think it's kind of embedded in a lot of Christian thinking in the Western world. And it's not without evidence. I mean, one thing we, like faith in itself, it, there is yeah. this like be- acceptance. Like Witness. There's things that we can't say, but there's evidence within the world. Within Thomas, touch me, touch me absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, it's, it is empirical. So like there are things that we can look at that it can make sense of the world, and I think... There's a way that science catches up to this over time. Uh, some of the, some of the things that. that we have, like, you can't quite explain. I'm like, not a mystic. Like, yeah. I'm not, like, science will never, this is just, no, I think it is explainable by science. I just think it hasn't caught up yet. Even the even just the existence of the soul, like I, I talked about in my series on heaven, yeah. which will come out here and is on its way out right now. So you can check out my three-part series on heaven. But just the existence of the soul, I, I pointed to Gary Habermas's work on this and like the idea of near-death experiences. Okay. Like, okay, this is just connecting, I think this connects, just in general to this non-physical reality. Yeah. So he points out hundreds of cases that are empirically proven, like where like somebody has died on a hospital bed, right. but yet they've been able to describe a reality of something happening at the After. exact same moment right. um, down the street. and But, but <laughs> really? we can show that they were dead wow. like at, in that moment, right? So that they're, and this isn't just, this is like hospital records. Right. Okay, this is like, rea- well, and this is too with demons too. I uh, get most hospitals have exorcists on call. Isn't it wild? Yes. Okay, like they just have to do, like, so if exorcists in place, they generally do. connected, they're not calling the the Free Methodist Wesleyan or Methodist or Salvation Army minister, right? Who are they calling? The yeah. Catholics. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other, and this, this may be totally revealing a point of ignorance for me, but what I understand about quantum physics and quantum mechanics is that science is beginning to kind of catch up a little bit to the relationship between the physical and the metaphysical. Right. Time and space continuum. And, right. and uh, man, I, I read the book a couple of years ago, so I don't remember all the terms, but Schrodinger's equation, I think it is, and that not everything is a particle, but rather a wave function. Wow. And, and that changes how we think about 
the physical world. I mean, the reality is, and Sean Carroll is the guy, I, I, I buried his book, um, Something Deeply Hidden, I think it's called. He's a, he's a quantum mechanic or mathematician. I don't remember exactly what he is. But he says, that essentially, classical Newtonian metaphysics, or uh, classian, classical Newtonian physics is wrong. We mm. know it's wrong. Interesting. It's one way of describing how things work, but but really, when we look closer, it's not how things work. Right. And the reality is, we don't know how things work, and we don't kind of know even what the next step is. Yeah. And so I think, ma- uh, and all that to say, I think science is catching up, and and there is something very real that is explainable and empirical. Right. But maybe we just don't have the knowledge yet. Um, I have a neighbor, my last neighbor. He if he watches this, Larry, if you see this, good to see you, my man. Um, he I was witnessing him for five years, yeah. and I realized that he believed in ghosts, and he would go on like these trips and like try to like yeah. get co- connected to the paranormal. And I thought that was it. So once I found that, I felt like I had a little foot in the door. Yeah. And because he's an atheist, he said he was an atheist, but yeah. yet he still believed in a non-physical reality. Right. And so trying to connect to not that connect, not we're connecting that, but connect to the fact that people, I think, intuitively have some sense that there is some part of what we experience outside of our physical body. Well, for Ecclesiastes says that God has built eternity into our hearts right you know and that's another question uh michael heiser deals with this and he says why are we so fascinated with the unseen yeah and he says number one god built eternity into our hearts says scripture you know we have the image of god in us we're made that's not right not in us but we're made in god's image but number two it is a sort of escape from our the daily grind you know right um, right. which is why we love you know lord of the rings and and werewolf movies and that kind of stuff because it's just an escape but i but, don't love werewolf movies yeah. i like lord of the rings though there you, no, 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 yeah i know movies, but so. but <laughs> he did he's built eternity into our hearts it's natural yeah and for us to think that this even people who have atheists i've read accounts just recently i don't remember where i read this i think it was in the book uh methodism and the miraculous okay where john i, I mentioned john wesley yeah. you know a number of exorcisms he had he was a part of uh, unexpectedly he wasn't looking for it it just happened and in any case um people who believe that only that which is visible and 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 verifiable you know through our senses is real and true on their deathbeds there's every account that i've ever read it's like there's still a sense that there's something more right and this right. this so anyway yeah so i mean we've kind of hit on the epistemological function like yeah. how we know what we know and i think this is good and like also then how it relates to scripture yeah. and if we take scripture as a source of our uh, life and right. like as right. in my tradition say we say the divine rule of christian faith and practice that's great if that's if that's the case like okay we, we've got that so in this course too so you're going to talk about that foundation kind of like dealing with the enlightenment and I think people can get a sense for that. Do you want to add anything about that before we go on to the next? No, show? no, that, that is the opening sections of the course. Yeah. It's um, why do we believe what we believe? How do we believe what we believe? Um, we're talking, you know, I, because it's a primarily auditors in the course right, who may or right. may not have an educational background. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to try to keep it at a level that everyone, you know, it's accessible. So, um, but we will talk about how do we know what we know and what does the Bible say, but we will be talking about, you know, this fundamental assumptions of our hermeneutic. How are we approaching the text? What mm-hmm, are we, mm-hmm. and as people of faith, what do we, what do we, how can we accept that which is true and real and that which isn't true and real? Um, so yeah, but that's just the beginning section of the, maybe two or three lessons. And then we're okay. going to jump into, you know, Old Testament terms for, the supernatural and the unseen, New Testament terms and where they come from. And what okay, they mean great. And so, w- in, in the hope is to also like to help give people tools to uh, which use the military language combat. Oh yeah. Uh, this this these forces that are at work in our reality. So the first half of the course is theological and biblical foundations. 
for yeah. spiritual warfare. Okay. And then we get to the pivot point in the course, which is right about halfway. Th- it is halfway through. That's the Christus Victor theory of atonement. Awesome. Um, what does this mean? Because as Protestants, and this is a whole other topic of conversation that we could get into, you know, we tend to make dominant in our soteriology, our thinking about salvation, the yeah. forensic metaphor for salvation or substitutionary atonement, penal substitution, ransom theory, um, all these things, which are good and biblical and true. Um, but what tends to move towards the side is the Christus Victor. Right. Um, I, I, sometimes I put it this way, and I got this from N.T. Wright. Jesus died for more than one reason. He died for historical reasons. He was a blasphemer, um, according to the Jews. You know, he died for political reasons. He was a rebel against Rome. That's why he was on a cross and not right. some other form of punishment. Um, he died for theological reasons to atone for our sin. But he also died for spiritual reasons, to make a mockery of and right, neutralize right. the threat of the principalities and powers of darkness. Right. And to transfer us from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. And what right. we're talking about that is the Christus Victor theory of atonement. That in Christ we are victorious, not just cleansed from the sins that we've been right. that we've committed, right. but victorious over the power of sin Amen. inside of our lives. Yep. He has victory over the grave. And so that's the culminating point of that first half. Biblical and theological foundations for spiritual warfare. Christus Victor. We have victory in Christ. Now, what are some practical tactics for actually carrying out spiritual warfare? What we're talking about is discipleship. Mm. How we grow in our faith. And how do we become more holy in light of the fact that there are forces of evil that are out to get us? Mm-hmm. And, and how do we diagnose? How do we identify when the issue that I'm dealing with, I don't have victory in this area of my life, whether it's addiction or whatever else, because I haven't fully crucified the flesh. I haven't confessed that sin or because I had this wound I wasn't aware of. And the Holy Spirit's just made me realize, man, that thing that happened to me a few years ago really is still hanging on. And I need to get rid of this thing. Um, Or is it a, what's a demonic attack? Mm. So this is within the context, second half of the course of doing the battle within the context of the Christian life and discipleship. But there's, it's, it's like the within the church conversation, but there's also a without the church conversation about spiritual warfare yeah. where you have people who are non-Christian, the Bible says, who don't believe in the gospel because the God of this world right. or the prince of the air has blinded them. Wow. They can't yeah. hear it. And so when we're having a conversation with someone, I was debating a Jehovah's Witness, and I wasn't going to reason him into belief in the Trinity. The reality is Satan has blinded him. He's been led astray by a false teaching that is a demonic spirit. That's all biblical. That's not Matt Ayers. That's New Testament authors, right? And so we pray him into the kingdom. We don't just argue him into the kingdom because I can't believe in the Trinity on my own reason. The Holy Spirit gives me the gift of belief into the Trinity. And so we pray people free from their bondage. And again, bondage is a unique word used in this context. But there's that other dynamic of spiritual warfare that the nations of the world why aren't they accepting the truth? When I go out and preach to witch doctors in Haiti and people go in India and go to shrines and talk to people who are pagans, and right. why aren't they believing? Was it because that they just don't believe that Jesus could possibly be both man and God? Sure, they right, believe that right. within a Hindu context. No, it's because they've been led astray by a false spirit yes. who wants to be worshipped. Yes. This is a, like, so if you go back to an old podcast that I have, an interview with Steve Elliott, who has a book by yeah. uh, published by Seedbed yeah. called By Signs and Wonders. Yeah, sure. The whole idea there is like he kind of takes on the, the task of taking on uh, friendship evangelism as a way to grow a church. Yeah. Right? And he's saying, like, well, that's only going to do so much. And even we're, here, we're two academics, people in an academic institution. We, we highly value learning and, yes, like, the yeah, whole process right. that we have, like, that we can get to truth. Because God is still a God of reason. Jesus is the Logos, John right. 1.1. He is Amen. The, he is the, you know, the preeminent 
abstraction of all truth, the like, thing that holds the universe together. Right. So, so we affirm this. Yes. Like we affirm that at this same time, while we affirm these things and the importance of using our minds, we're not going to rationalize someone into the faith. In, instead, like what Steve shows in his book is that it often comes as people see the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. clearly at work in their life, right. see the miraculous. Right. And so that's, that led well, uh, me and my last, ch- last church to be able to like have a healing service, yeah. right? So we have an opportunity where we pray for this to happen. And I don't know how it works. Like, I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not even sh- but I know that this is consistent with the scriptural witness. And if that's the case, like, I believe that God created the world out of nothing. I believe he raised Jesus from the dead. I believe he can heal somebody. Yeah. And I know he has. Yep. So, like, I want to pray for that. I want to encourage that. And I think, like, what you're saying is if we can help people, like, realize that it might be a spiritual force that's at play that's, right. that's keeping people from coming to Christ. I, we need I, to pray for that to happen. I, I would go as far as to say, and I may be too radical okay. for the academy, but that that's exactly what's keeping people from wow. belief in Christ. Wow. Is a spiritual is an unclean spirit or unclean spirits. Hmm. Um, that's what it is. That's what he does. It's what he was doing in the garden. He's the deceiver. He's the liar from the very beginning. Interesting. He was the one behind the fall, and he's the one keeping people keeping people in in his grip. And he doesn't want to. So couple other things. Yeah. Let me comment on something you said there. We're people of reason. I agree. Right, right. And in fact, belief in the unbelievable, belief in the mysterious, belief in the inexplainable is in fact an important part of being people of reason. Mm. As <laughs> because right. we believe that we believe in an infinite God who's revealed himself. Right. And if we embrace that, there are going to be things that we can't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's an important part of my framework. That there will be things that I just can't wrap my head around mm. because I'm not God, mm-hmm. and He is. And I think that anyone who thinks they can wrap their head around it is less of a person of reason than I am because they mm. haven't made an integral part of their thinking framework this reality that there's something bigger than their mind. Right, right. And so that's one thing I want to point out. And, and I think it's a bit of a false um, distinction to talk about reason and faith um, because to me it's, it's all wrapped up in Jesus. It's one thing and they relate to each other in a weird way and and oh man there's cool stuff within the roman catholic tradition about the dog and the sheep and the lion we can talk about that a different day oh man but keeping in balance faith and reason you know this is something the church has been talking about but uh, some people matt would jump in and just say well matt okay yeah yeah there's something to it but because we don't know because we can't say uh, like I've gotten pushed back on this. One key aspect that I've tried to push in ministry is that clause in the Apostles' Creed: Jesus descended to the realm of the dead, yeah, right, or, or he descended yeah. to hell. I don't know what happened when he did, when he when Jesus descended to the realm of the dead. Like I don't know if he went down like in Carmen's the champion and like had a boxing match with Satan. You know, oh, like yeah, that, that's okay. exactly what happened. Actually, yeah. that's, that is that is actual well, I footage it of in what happened. Eighth grade, I was Satan, <laughs> by the way. Okay, so um, did you really? Yeah, hey, did you not do that? Is a rite of passage. We for may people. need to exercise it. Oh, involvement maybe. with the occult. And well, I, I brought people to the Lord night. because of my great portrayal of Satan as a boxer, right? But but okay. we we do know what happened. Well, okay, here's what I'm saying. Like we, yeah, I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. So yeah. like we don't we don't know like <laughs> when he went down, when he descended to the realm of the dead, did he take a right turn and give Satan an uppercut? But we do have enough scriptural evidence to know right. that the descent and the victory over death is a solid scriptural truth. Like, yes, that's like right. that it happened. Like in, so people might come back to come to you, and this is a question I want you to ask. Like this, well, Matt, we just don't have enough evidence to really. To talk about this so let's just leave it alone like yeah. okay we know something happened but 
it's not as clear as a resurrection. So let's just back away. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very, very uh, sympathetic to that perspective. I am because I'm the first one to say, let's spend our time talking and thinking about the things that the scriptures talk and think about. Right. And, uh, and the scriptures just don't spend a lot of time on this. Um, but they do spend some time on it. Right. So we, we should discuss it to some degree. And there is, just like any good Bible study, there is more information. There's historical information. There's eva- the evaluation phase in the inductive Bible study method um, that, that make it clear this is what Peter's talking about when he says that he descended into hell and declared to the captives. He's quoting. Right, right. He's, 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 using, he's saying that Jesus did what Enoch did according right. to the Enoch tradition. And, and there's explanatory power there. And I, I'm the first, as a student of the Bible, to say there are always going to be things in the text that we're probably not sh- exactly sure about because we're so far removed. Um, so let's focus on the things that we can be sure about. Right. I, I agree with that. And that is Christus Victor. Right, amen. That, that in the heavens, in the earth, and under the earth, Jesus is king. You know, because Satan is the god of the underworld and the god of death and the god of, you know, this world. I mean, this is all scriptural language. This isn't me. And for Jesus to go down there, we know at the very least is saying he reigns there as well. Mm. That Satan's mm. not in charge anymore. Amen. Amen. And that he goes around like a roaring lion. He wants people to think uh, that he's in charge, but he's not. Um, so that we can be sure about. But there is more information. And I think it's important as believers in the sufficiency of of the word of God for us to go, well, these are, this is what these Bible passages are about, and what does it mean for me yeah, today? Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the very least, I think, for me, I, I'm not teaching spiritual warfare because I have an interest in it. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm doing this because I sense that God was saying, I want you to do this. Wow. And I'm going, okay, this is going to be weird, and, and I'll probably get some criticism. Might lose a few donors. Might lose a few donors, who knows. Uh, but I don't... I, uh, I was going to say you I don't care. Yeah, I was going to say I don't yeah. care, but I do care. My dad care. told me never say that I don't care. I do. Right. I do care. Right. Um, and and it's it's been a bit of a struggle, but in the, in the end, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And um, I think that what I see when I have taught this in venues, yeah. preaching venues, and other small group settings, that people yes. in the church today need to yeah. hear that they have victory. Right. Amen. That, Amen. That Jesus didn't die for them to have this ongoing depression mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. addiction, sexual addictions. And, and, and here's the other thing it does. It moves people to be more active in spiritual disciplines. Mm. I need to be praying more. This is what right, it's sure. for me. Like, cause I, I'm like, in man, Haiti, particularly. Is that kind oh of my God, yes. To, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Praying more, fasting more. And, and look, if we're going to amp up our game, you know, it's, here's that other thing. Sorry for the non sequitur, but Paul Paul says, put on the armor of God. Mm. It doesn't say when you become a Christian, you're already clothed with it. It mm. says you've got to put it on. You actually have to resist and struggle and take up and persevere, and which means we have to be active in this thing. Anything that we can do to get people to be more diligent and right. practicing the spiritual disciplines to grow in their faith, um, I think is a good thing, as long as it's, it's scriptural and not leading people astray. There was another thing I wanted to comment on that you talked about signs and wonders yeah, and sure. drawing people into the faith. It's not reasoning people in, but when they saw the Holy Spirit's work, yes. we see this in Muslim countries and in Haiti. Uh, Haiti, it's interesting, when people come to faith, it's not because, well, I realize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. It's because I was sick, Satan couldn't heal me, I asked Jesus to and he did, and now I have a new patron deity. You know, oh, okay, so, using that, that metaphor as opposed right, to, yeah, interesting. Right. And now, eventually we do get to the sins piece right, as sure. well, So that's because that's an impo- obviously an important piece. But the Bible says, too, that there will be false Christs and prophets that will come and perform signs and lead people astray. Right. You know, and so 
I just affirm what you're saying and that those signs and wonders and stuff are, are things that do get people into faith, the witness. Right, and right. that's why we believe in the scriptures and what they say about themselves. The Quran says it's the word of God too. Well, why don't I believe the Quran self-claims? Hmm. Because the scriptures are a community witness of this is actually how God intervened on our behalf. Amen. Amen. It's not just one, one guy in a cave right. who wrote down what God told him. No, this right, is a right. whole nation of people that went, we saw that sea split. Wow. We were there. Yes, yeah. You know, and in fact, we were stubborn people too, and we still saw it. So I think that's wow. the witness is important as well. Right. It's awesome. Having this conversation makes me realize how many sticky wickets are involved yeah. in the whole spiritual warfare thing. Let me just check it out. Jeff, are we good on time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so one thing I like, want to encourage people to do, I might have like, this is a master's level course. Yeah, but 500 level. Yeah. You don't. You can audit this class. Sure. So anybody can come in and participate in an audit level class. You won't get the free seminary if you do that. Or right, yeah. yeah. No, it's but not if you want to take it for credit, for credit yeah, you can get it for free. You got it. But you have to do some work. You have to do some work. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, you have to do some work. <laughs> now, why, why is it important to do the work? It just holds the student accountable to that they have acquired the information that's been transmitted to them is a right. kind of a technical way to put it. You know, there's always assessment and accountability. You say, okay, at the end of this course, you will be able to dot, 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 dot. And I have to, as the instructor, verify that they are actually able to do those things or else they haven't successfully completed the, the, the course. Right, right. And so, and that has to do with just good education and accreditation. And, you know, when someone has a degree, what it says is they can do these things, they know these things, and they believe these things. Right. And so when they complete a course, if I can't verify as the instructor of that content that they know, believe, and can do these things, then wow. they can't yeah. get credit towards the degree. And ultimately, like you said, know, believe, and do. Like yeah. You have these, these emphases, and I think that's really important to think about like what we think about seminary education in general, right. our bachelor's, master's, and our doctoral degrees. Like what we're, we're doing, we don't believe in them for themselves. Right. right? We don't believe, like or we're not doing this because we like the piece of paper, we like the credit we get for being called doctor or being an academic institution. Ultimately, we want people to know, believe, and do. Yeah, that's it. And like we're trying to pe help people work through a process where they can do that, where they can get to a place of doing. It's very practical. I'm glad you pointed this out. Um, so what we start out with, at least here at WBS, and all schools should do this, is we go, what are the challenges facing the church today? Right. What are the main internal and external challenges? And what they are in Haiti are going to be different than what they are in Jackson, Mississippi, and what they are in Tampa, what they are in Chicago. Uh, but you can find some common ground. So you, you, you gather people. What are the main challenges facing the church? Okay, based on that, what, is the prior, what does the ideal church look like? Hmm. You know, what is the, you know, good Bible teaching, healthy worship, uh, mutual love and respect and trust within the community, service, mission, and you develop what's called the profile of the ideal church. If I'm going to plan a church, it's going to be ideal right now in Chicago. This is what it's going to look like. All right, in order to have that church, what's the pastor got to look like? Right, sure. And so then we develop the profile of the ideal pastor. What is that pastor able to do? Well, he can interpret the Bible. Or she. Or she, yep, yeah. thank you. Or preach well or right. counsel people or whatever. Yeah. You know, this is the profile of the ideal pastor. Right. And if we exist to train pastors, and we, we exist to train more than just pastors, but right. primarily we're training pastors because that's the primary need of God's people in the world. Right. That's the primary office, I think, right now anyway then these are the things that that pastor has to know. Yeah, They have to know inductive Bible study. They have to know, Greek, I believe, Greek and Hebrew. They have to know the creeds and councils. They have to know how to uh, take care of the books of the church. You know, What are the things they have to be able to do, and what are the things that they believe? Take my preaching class this fall. Preaching, yeah. practical theology. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so, um, so the idea is when you complete this program, this course of study, 
this is the profile. This is what you're going to look like. Right. You're going to look like this pastor who's going to be able to pastor that church. Right. That's the ideal church. So this hits in, like, with the spiritual warfare class. It's like, we think, as an institution, that spiritual warfare is one of those things that people need to have a knowledge of and to be able to combat, like, and, like, to be that ideal pastor. I mean, or, or is that going too far? No, it's not going too far. The reason I, I pause is because it's not a required course for the, right, the program. Sure. Um, because it's a new course. Now, if it was required, we'd be saying, yes, you have to know this. And very few seminaries have required spiritual warfare courses, Yeah, uh, which is interesting. But we are saying as as an institution, by the fact that we're offering this course, that we're, we see this as something, like some places would just like push all of the miraculous to the side. Yeah, sure. Right? Like, yeah. like, like it's just like we're just, my, my wife was reading a, uh, she found a description of a church, and it's just like was basically a glorified country club, yeah. you know, just like, oh, come together and the power of love will be at work, like spinning us into realities of experience in the world. I mean, so it, it, it was completely unconnected to the fact of the, the Christ event and the, the power and promise of the Holy Spirit right. and victory, and like the Christian victory theory. It happened like, in history. What, yeah. what has actually happened, like what the Bible, uh, the connection to how we understand truth yeah. via scripture. Um, so like, like, so by us even offering this class and the faculty approving this curriculum, it's a like, witness to our belief, right? I just want like a, for like this is something and like so somebody might be watching this and be like, oh, that's why I'm not going to Wesley. Well, but yeah. I'm telling you, like, like we're saying as an institution, like we value this. Well, here's what it witnesses to, and this is WBS all the way. Number one, we take the Bible seriously. Amen. And number two, we believe that what Christ did on the cross and His resurrection, people can live Amen. free, Amen. free from the power of sin. Right. Um, and. That's what this course is about. It's mm. another way into that conversation. So awesome. if it witnesses to that, I'll teach it all night and day. Amen. Um, again, um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more that I could say. Um, I want to talk about this freedom in Christ thing. Um, but let me, okay, one more comment. Okay. Within the academy, the academy is primarily an enlightenment project reality. Right. Which means that the supernatural and, and the preternatural, preternatural, doesn't really have a place in the academy because the academy is the place where we measure things mm -hmm. and observe things and note things. And these are things that are not easy to measure. Now, uh, even seminaries don't really have a lot of room for this. Sure. And so we are odd in this way, but I'm willing to be odd because right. of what I believe about Jesus and what he's done in my life and shows in the scriptures and the community of faith. And so that's the first thing I want to point out is that as an academic institution, the halls of the academy are the place of, of empiricism and, and measurement. And right, although right. there is some sense that there is a coming back to this idea. Right. Like I think that I remember University of Virginia, I had a friend who was going there and there was a course on witchcraft in Russia. You Interesting. Know? Now, I don't know if they were, they probably weren't saying it's real. Verifying true. They were Verify saying the, this is the history of, yeah. yeah so, um, so, yeah, there's that piece. Um, there was another piece I was going to mention, but now I can't remember. Oh, well, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I just want to encourage people to think about taking this course, like, to, to get – and that's probably why I want to do this now. This podcast is going to come out at a time where it's, like, a pretty quick turnaround. So if you're interested in this, we really need you to go to wbs.edu to sign up for it because, like – I think this is going to come out on a Thursday, and then the class starts on a Monday. Yeah. So I'm a little late in making this happen, but I just wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to get this out. Matt, you have something else you want to say? I thought of it. Okay. There's actually two. One is uh, theodicy, you yeah. know, the debate of evil in the world and the goodness of God and the sovereignty right, of God. Right, right. This comes up in the spiritual warfare dialogue as well. Right. Um, and it's an important question because a lot of people get hung up on this one. This is the Job question. Yeah. How could God be 
totally good and totally sovereign, yet evil exists in the world. Right. Well, the short answer is really quite easy. It has everything to do with the fact that God is love, mm-hmm. and love demands free will mm-hmm. and persons. Yeah. And so it's just a piece of the formula. So there's that, and we'll explore that in the course. Uh, but the other thing is this idea of freedom, where we talk about freedom from bondage, and Jesus came to set the captives free, and, right, right. and tr- the truth will set you free. And that's a big part of the course, is that spiritual warfare is not a power encounter as much as it's a truth encounter. The, the areas in our lives where we don't have victory is where we believe in something wrong or false. And Jesus comes along and says, I will purify you with my word, because I am the truth, you know. Amen. And so um, getting the truth into place. But it doesn't mean that all of our... I often say spiritual warfare is not a silver bullet to solve all our problems. Right. It doesn't mean that all your suffering is going to go away. Um, we see John the Baptist who suffers and dies in prison. Peter who's crucified upside down. We have the issue of martyrs in the church. Jesus died on the cross. And so it doesn't mean that prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. That's if you, if you pray the right prayers and fast and do right, all the spiritual right. warfare stuff that you're going to be rich, healthy, and wealthy, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual victory. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, okay, what does that even mean? Emotional victory? I, t- I mentioned depression and sadness, and that's a part of it. Yeah. But um, our thoughts, our attitudes, our emotions, and sometimes it is physical. Sometimes, oftentimes, when Jesus casts a demon out of someone, they get healed physically. Yeah. There's an association between right. the spiritual oppression and physical restoration. Right. Because um, ultimately, death is the source of evil, you know, Satan in the garden. And so I want to point out that what we're not talking about is prosperity gospel stuff and being Jesus came to give us life and give us abundantly and that this means I'm going to have a Mercedes now. Um, right. No, it means that you can be free to be holy. Amen. Yeah. Well, there's so much more we could talk about, Matt. Mm. I mean, it's just brought so many questions. And it's even just our conversation here has inspired me to like up my prayer game. You know, like I, there's a lot more that we should be doing. And I want people to think about taking this class. Like, and if we don't, hopefully we'll offer it again if you can't get in it right now. I want to mention to a few, uh, do you have something else you want to add? You took a deep breath there. Okay, so next week, next podcast come, comes out is, will heaven be boring? Will heaven be boring? And I think it kind of connects to some of these same ideas, Matt. I mean, like, so. In other like, words, is it a long church service? That that's never right. Ends, you know? So I'm going to let you see it. Now, we had some folks, if you go back and look at last week's podcast that came out, will my dog be there? Will my dog be in heaven? So that's a, uh, that's a pretty good idea, too. Question. I mean, a legit question that people have. And then we'll have another, another the heaven series will conclude with a discussion that talks about, like, what we mean by the word heaven. So you can check that out right here, and you can go to andymillerthird.com, or you can find it on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts. And look, if you, can, if you have an opportunity to, like, leave a review, that just helps people find us. So mm-hmm. I'd love it. I'd love to get this message out, what Matt said, but the truth of heaven, too. Like, oh, So we're talking about ultimate freedom that people yeah, can have yeah. in Christ because of what Jesus did. But also, we're talking about eternity, like ultimate satisfaction in who God has created us to be, being able to experience that in a new heavens and a new earth. So don't miss those podcasts that are coming out as well. Matt, thanks for your time today. Thank you. I can't wait to get to heaven and where we're going to just sing over and over again Charles Wesley hymns. That's all we're going to do. <laughs> and can it be all day, baby? All day long, yeah. baby. Thanks for coming to the Mortar Story. Thanks for coming to the More to the Story podcast. And it was great to have my friend, Dr. Matt Ayers, here. And my thanks to Jeff Bacus, our registrar, who has helped make all this happen here today. God bless you all. <laughs>